1: Age successfully, making your second half of life even better than the first. Folks, we know that life is challenging for everyone these days. If it's not one bill, it's another. If it's not culture wars, it's inflation. We're faced with a constant feeling of insecurity, not knowing whether we'll be okay today or tomorrow. So how do we lighten up amid all this chaos? In today's episode, columnist Jerry Zezema, an irrepressible humorist, syndicated newspaper columnist, and author of six books, including most recently, one for the ageless, talks about his craft and why laughter is so important in keeping us sane and healthy, especially through our elder years. Academic experts who study humor, and yes, they do exist, regrettably point out that most people start to lose their sense of humor starting around age 23, and it doesn't rebound until our retirement years. At the same time, we've also learned that laughter, while perhaps not literally the best medicine, is very good for our health. Like vegetables or therapy, only more fun. Psychologists and physicians cite lots of data showing the many benefits of humor, especially as we age. It relieves stress, helps ease anxiety and depression, supports our immune system, helps lower blood pressure, and relaxes our muscles. But Jerry didn't become a humorist for his health. He writes with a lens focused on laughter because that's the way he's always been. It didn't stop at age 23. And because he is relentlessly curious, exploring life for small, unexpected delightful moments of connection or incongruity. He's an incurable purveyor of wordplay. He's made many radio and television appearances. He's done several YouTube videos, is a popular public speaker, and he's writing a sitcom. Whatever the venue, he will nudge you with gentle humor until you surrender to a smile. He has the time. He still has an active family life in so-called retirement with his wife, two daughters, and five grandchildren, but he insists he has no interesting hobbies. So now, it's my pleasure to introduce Jerry Zezima. Jerry, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you very much, Ron, for having me on and for lowering your otherwise high standards <laughs> to, uh, to ask me to be here.
1: Well, sometimes you have to do that. You know, when you have a spot in the summer you got to fill, yeah. it's Jerry's turn. It, so. it's,
2: it's desperation, I know, <laughs> but I appreciate it.
1: And yeah. Well, Jerry, listen, it's, uh, you know, I, I'm glad to have you on the show. We've known each other a long time. It's, it's good to take a, a break from daily stressors. We've offered, we've had some pretty interesting shows about very, uh, you know, serious subjects. And, and let's take a little break and talk about humor. What I call a little lightness in August um, and uh, figure out what we can do to deal with our anxiety society, you know, injecting a little humor. So so tell us a little bit actually about your growing up, Jerry. I mean I know that a lot of uh, you know folks, you know, writers of different sorts, you know, have an interesting home life. There's an influence at home from your parents and others. So tell us how you got started in your writing and humor career and, and what kind of uh, relationship that you had with your parents.
2: Well first of all, Ron, I want to clear something up. I haven't grown up. Ah, okay. Um, but I was born and raised in uh Stamford, Connecticut. Mm-hmm and, um, uh, my, my parents were great influences on me. Um, my, uh, my dad, um, was a wonderful, great guy. He, he, uh, he passed away about 11 years ago at age 93.
3: All right. Okay. Um, he well.
2: had a great sense of humor and a positive outlook. Um, my mother is still with us. She is 97. Hmm. She's great. sharper than I am, uh, which really isn't difficult to achieve, you know, the same <laughs> okay. could be said for cucumbers, but uh, she has a great sense of humor herself, she embraces uh, getting older, and um, I have two sisters who also have great sense of humor. So I I was in a, um, a family that was really, uh, uh, that put a premium on, on laughter and, and, uh, and humor, and uh, I'm Probably the, the only one, not just in my family, but of anyone I knew who actually have uh, has used humor in my professional career.
1: Hmm. So when when did you start? You know, getting a sense that you know, of appreciation for humor, like you're like, oh, this is this is interesting. Let me let me pursue this.
2: Well, my my father and I would watch, you know, like um, the Road Runner and the Coyote, <laughs> Tunes, and you know, uh, Looney Tunes and uh, rocky and bullwinkle and he'd laugh at some of the things on there i would laugh at other things and there were still other things that we mm. both laughed at and it dawned on me as a kid I, I remember thinking there are actually adults whose jobs are to think things up like this mm. and i said wow um, and then I got a little older, I, start, I started reading um, my hometown paper, The Stanford Advocate, and I read the great humor columnists, uh, Art Buckwald and Irma Bombeck. Right. And I right. said, that's what I want to do. I want hmm. to write a humor column. It would be like doing stand-up comedy, except you don't have to show up, which is right. pretty convenient. Right. But in, in high school, I I remember that clinched it. I remembered that uh, um, what I wanted to do, or I knew what I wanted to do when I was in high school. Okay. I wanted to write, and my decision could be encapsulated in one word algebra. <laughs> I could never do algebra. Uh, I was always good in subjects where you really didn't have to know the answers, like English composition. So there was a, um, uh, a paper that everyone in the class had to write on a particular right. topic. I forget what it was. And um, then get up in front of the class to read it. Almost everyone has been through this. They remember having to do this when they were in school. Well, mm-hmm. let me tell you, nobody wanted to do this except me. Oh. Everybody took it seriously except me. Right. I wrote the silliest, stupidest, dumbest, funniest stuff I could think of got up in front of the class and got big laughs Mm. and I said ah I think I can do this and my professional goal as a a high school student was to be silly and irresponsible and Mm. actually get paid for it and I was the class clown Mm. and so fast forward um through college I didn't write for the high school paper. didn't write for the college paper. I just decided to walk into the office of the Stanford advocate one day and announced that I wanted a job. Mm. The editor said, well, what experience do you have? I said, I I don't have any. So instead of throwing me out, which he probably should have done, Mm. gave me a test. And fortunately, it wasn't an algebra test. (laughs) And I did well enough because I got the job but there were some questions to which i did not know the answer so instead of leaving them blank or taking half-hearted guesses i remembered what i did on that um, essay mm-hmm, in high mm-hmm. school, and i wrote down the silliest stupidest dumbest funniest stuff i could think of and later on he said that's what got you the job right it showed right. signs of creativity right Right. And I was going to say, well, I didn't think you're supposed to make stuff up in a newspaper, for but for once in my life, I kept my mouth shut. Right. And I got the job, and uh, I was a, a series of things. You know, a copy boy, I was a sports writer, I was mm-hmm, an editor, mm-hmm. I was a feature right. writer. And eventually I got a humor column. And yeah. I got it in 1985, 37 years ago, and I've been writing it ever since.
1: Wow, well, great, great. Yeah, I think that, you know, when, when you have gigs like that, do you think, well, you know that that's great, but it it takes a somewhat of a risk, you know okay. yep. you, you know humor is a risky thing and and you know it, uh, you know on a column, it's obviously not quite the same as doing stand up when you could get booed off the stage, but still a risk, you know, and I remember um well, I think I must have been in middle school. Um, I got an assignment uh, um, you know from a, a teacher saying, you know write uh, wh- what what or who you would like to be for a day, you know. And so everyone was thinking about, oh, I want to be president of the United States or I want to be this or that, you know? So I was like, oh, geez, this is really boring. So I said, I know I wrote a, what I wanted to be for a day was an otter, you know, I said, an otter, <laughs> an otter. why? Cause they had, they look, I had just seen a film about otters and they look like they're having a lot of fun. So I said, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah, And, and, and you, you know, know
2: what, if, if I were there with you, I'd be the otter one.
1: <laughs>
2: <Ooh>.
1: <laughs> all right. Yes. Onto our onto our wordplay. Excellent. So so let's let's just go right into that. Jared. So we were talking about you and your dad, and so um, at the risk of over-explaining things, because as we know, when you explain jokes too much, they they're not funny anymore. Right. But but what what makes something funny? For what what things have you discovered about? And and obviously there are different things for different people. But what things strike you as funny, and how do you find them?
2: Well, uh, first. Um, E.B. White had Mm -hmm. once said that you shouldn't try to analyze humor. He said Mm -hmm. it's like dissecting a frog. He said, few people care and the frog dies. Mm, Okay. Uh, But I've always found there are two things, two kinds of things that make people laugh. One is something sudden. Mm -hmm. Uh, Out of left field, like the punchline to a joke, takes you by surprise and you laugh. The other is the exact opposite. It's the familiar. Hmm. You see yourself in a particular situation and you laugh at the familiarity and that's more of the kind of stuff that i do um you know i'll throw on you know wordplay and, and stuff like that yeah. but um it's it's like pure identification and it's um it's people seeing themselves in uh, in various situations so yeah. i I've uh, always written about uh, family foibles and the funny little things of everyday life. And I think people really relate to them.
1: Yeah. And I think that, you know, what, what you just said, I think is they're sort of both true. It's in some cases, it is the it's the familiar and the surprise. Yeah. So I was, uh, I mean, I think that to me that describes a lot of New Yorker cartoons, you know, which right. I saw one right. recently, which is, you know, God, you see an image of, you know, God's hands reaching down from the heavens and he, you know and and the caption is in the beginning god created the heavens and and then on the right it says there's a little box that says skip intro <laughs> you know <laughs> which which is something we're all now familiar with you know it just so you know, was
2: that was that the genesis of humor
1: Ooh, <laughs> that's 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 the next column
2: oh uh, yeah 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 but that's, anyway you know but it, but the the um uh, the familiar kind of uh, stuff. I think people really go for that because, as I said, they see themselves in it. I just take things one step further than any normal person would take them because, mm-hmm. of course, I'm not normal. Uh, <laughs> but I, I just do things, talk with people, observe, and um, it's very, very seldom is. do I have uh, a hard time coming up with an idea. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, you have a special brand of humor, too. It's not the, you know, the the da you know, the, the punchline humor, but it's an, it's a real appreciation for language and what you can do with it and, and a, right. a certain playfulness about that. So yeah. I think that's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, where you come at it. And I, I think it's uh, much appreciated. It's, it's subtler, you know, you, you think a little bit and then you think and see it. And then like, uh but there is that aha moment. Right. When you yeah. like that oh, our oh. Genesis moment from a few minutes right, ago, right? right. <laughs> right yeah. right yeah um so uh yeah it, it's it's it, it does take a certain amount of creativity to do it you know um and and um I, I think i know the answer to this question but i'll ask it anyway so where do you find it i would i would suspect you find it everywhere
2: yeah it, it seems to find me ah um you know i you, you do have to look for things and, and uh, but they're very often right in front of you um You know, uh, two of my granddaughters, for example, uh, recently had said they were going to be coming over. And and it was uh, the first time in a while that they had been over. Um, And they said, oh, we want to have a um, a, uh, a lemonade stand. I said, oh, okay. So they set up a lemonade stand. They ended up making $45 in 45 minutes. It was a dollar a minute. Wow, and I thought, you know, I'm in the wrong <laughs> business here, <laughs> but i I got call Um you know uh, there are I mean so many things um, I, I was uh visiting my wife and I were visiting our, our other uh, grandchildren. we have five uh, mm-hmm. these, the first two I mentioned are sisters and the other three. Uh, live elsewhere, so we went to visit them, and I took uh, the twins. they were, they just turned three to the playground, mm-hmm. and uh, I was running around with them. Other kids joined us. I was like the pipe pop, uh, the the pie piper, and this man, younger man in a cast, he had broken his foot. He couldn't chase his son around, so mm-hmm. I that that fell to me, right? And he looked at me and he said, "Yeah, you're the playground grandpa." And the mm-hmm. little light bulb went off in my otherwise empty skull, and I said, "Aha! There's a column." Right. right. So it can be anything and right. happen anywhere.
1: Right. Now, do your does your family get a little self conscious realizing that they could be content in any particular moment?
2: <laughs> my wife, Sue. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Love of my life. We've been married for forty four years. Mm-hmm. I've dead and I've written um if it weren't for her i would be either dead or in prison Mm -hmm. um she's often said there are no secrets in our family (laughs) barely not (laughs) but um i one of the nicest compliments i ever got was from a woman who said i think your columns are very funny but what i really like about them is you never put down your wife and you never use your kids for cheap laughs i'm not above trying to get cheap laughs but they're at my expense yeah um and so they they know that i would not um insult them i would not uh, ridicule them uh, i <laughs> I save that for myself and i just embrace um a positive look at life and very often in there there's a, a rich mind of humor.
1: right yeah i think that's important you know it's not the kind of the I guess this was a, you know, a, a kind of a humor of the time, you know, but the dated, you know, Rodney Dagefield, take my wife, please. You know, that kind of, yeah. you know, view. And I think that, um, I think that, you know, say, serving the deprecation for oneself is a, is a good way to approach that.
2: Well, Irma Bombeck, one of my all time professional heroes, uh, once said that she found out early on, there are two people she could make fun of without offending other people, mm-hmm. uh, herself and Hitler. <laughs> and she said I, I, i'd rather not write about Hitler."
3: right uh, right
2: she right. she did that and, and uh she was just marvelous um so yeah it's yeah. Uh, it's yeah. uh it's something that i think people appreciate
1: yeah i do i i agree i think that uh you know there's a lot of humor these days that seems to be at others expense right you know, it's nasty mm-hmm. it's political yeah. um and and it's been that's it's not really new actually it goes back you know centuries but uh anyway but uh so listen jerry when we we're going to take a short break when we come back i want to talk a little bit more we mentioned irma Bombek but um a little bit more about you know who your inspiration is who do you who do you like you know as humorous uh with the writers comedians or so forth uh so uh, okay folks we're going to take a a short break and come back we're talking much more with humorous jerry zezima so don't go anywhere
2: channel the internet's number one talk
1: station number one talk station voiceamerica.com
0: you're listening to 45 forward to reach ron roel or his guest on the program please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com that's ron.roel at gmail.com now back to 45 Forward.
1: Welcome back, folks. We're talking with Jerry Zezema, a humorist, columnist, and author about his work and about humor in general. So, Jerry, before the break, I was asking you about who do you use for inspiration? Uh, or who'd, who'd, More simply, who do you like in terms of uh, their humor and, and it connects with yours?
2: Well, my humor heroes are the three Bs. Oh, okay. Robert Benchley, Art Buckwald and Irma Bombeck. I mentioned ah. uh, Art.
1: Killer and, uh, killer bees.
2: Yes, the killer bees, and they had killer humor. Right. Um, but they uh, didn't believe in cruel or mean-spirited humor, and I don't either. Um, you know, I don't pretend to be in their class. Mm-hmm. The, in the school of humor, they're on the dean's list, and I'm on double secret probation. <laughs> okay. But um, but that that's as a writer, chiefly who I got my inspiration from. Mm-hmm. As far as um, you know, other people uh, uh, make me laugh as you know uh, as a kid, and even today, um, the Three Stooges, mm-hmm. um, Marx Brothers, um, Laurel and Hardy were great. Abbott and Costello people like that. Right. Um, you know, Jerry Seinfeld, uh, the, the more modern, um, comedians. Um, actually I, I should sue Jerry Seinfeld for half his money for stealing my first name. I'm, oh. I'm three months older than he is. So I was here first. Okay. Oh, so he's safe because my lawyer is in jail. Okay. okay. So, uh, but you know, uh, Ray Romano, um, uh, people yeah. like that more yeah. more um uh offbeat family oriented kind of uh, yeah. stuff yeah
1: yeah my wife uh often has remarked to me that you know we were of the same vintage you and i roughly yeah. and so those early you know cartoons and and yeah. uh you know figures i think are and you know my wife you know is unashamedly she loves slapstick <laughs> and so is she, even, is
2: she a three stooges fan
1: she well yeah she's she's a stooges fan i think I think she just uh, like like Lauren and Harley, um, Charlie Chapman, all those figures. Right. She just you know the slip and fall, or the word, even you know the the Roadrunner kind of stuff. Oh um, gosh, yes. Yeah, we definitely. you know it's and she she even laughs when I slip. You know, so she says <laughs> she she apologizes. She I'm sorry, honey. It's just funny. <laughs> you,
2: have, you have appeal. <laughs> that's right.
1: That's right.
3: Yeah.
2: But um, most women I found uh, aren't fans of like Three Stooges and. Mm-hmm. Most men are. But a recent column I wrote was about, uh, I saw a Three Stooges auction. And, you know, as I said, th- these ideas just seemed to find me. And I wrote about them. And I spoke with someone at an auction house, uh, a woman, who said, oh, yeah, I appreciate their genius. And I said, oh, God bless you.
3: So, right, yeah.
2: But, yeah. but, you know, th- those those kinds of uh, people, the, the the writers I mentioned and the comedians yeah. I mentioned, yeah. uh, they they.
1: Make me laugh yeah the one one show that i i enjoyed uh i, I guess unfortunately it's not on anymore but um you know uh, on i guess it was on npr the uh, car talk show with
2: yes click yes. and clack
1: brothers click you and know and clack,
2: right they and I just
1: uh, yeah i think it was again it was sort of the unexpected coming constantly from them right. <laughs> in their engagement with their uh their their callers
2: their, um well let me tell you um the progenitor, I guess, of uh, that kind of thing, were uh, progenitors, uh, Bob and Ray.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and right.
2: heard them and remembered them, but they were influenced by Robert Benchley, another oh. one of my all-time heroes. And he, Benchley, his stuff was like that of uh, long-forgotten, unfortunately, 19th-century humorist named Artemis Ward, Hmm. who um was a buddy of and supporter of mark twain and he helped right. twain get started right. so this goes way i mean it goes back to the early days of the republic um benjamin franklin uh was a funny so, funny guy so yeah
1: yeah, people don't think of him, but Franklin was a humorist, and he would yeah. often insert lots of stuff in, in makeup. You, you started off talking about making up things for the newspaper. Yeah. Well, he was a master of that, yeah. <laughs> making yeah. up people who he, he impersonated. Right. You know, uh, often, inter, you know, well, well, he, you know, I guess there was one of his early columns. He impersonated a woman as, yeah. as the writer. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. So. So I know that uh, you know it's it's a it's a tough world, but humor gets us through. But I know that, uh, and I know that this isn't something that you focus on particularly. But but you know, humor really is good for us. You know, that's I started mentioning in, in our in my intro. Mm-hmm. You know, it's you know I, I think people don't really examine it, but they feel it. They it, it feels good. You know, it's yes, healthy. It, it makes you laugh.
2: And you're right. It's better than um, vegetables. <laughs> well um but tastier I, I, yeah exactly yeah tastier um yes no it, it's supposedly very uh healthful um and it's what i do so i guess you can start calling me Doctor Sesma. all
3: yeah. right
2: I'll yeah Although be. now i'll probably be arrested or sued now you'll be now you'll be sued. Without yeah, a yeah. <laughs> right. but uh, no it is it, it's it's very good for you yeah uh, you know yeah. The, laughter is the best medicine uh it's uh, it's also the cheapest.
1: <laughs> That's in, in terms of of, of a prescription drugs, certainly so. Yes, yeah, no yeah. prescription needed. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Like uh, uh, W. C. Fields' line about it. You know, start every day off with a smile and get it over with. You right, <laughs>
2: right. He was he was great. He was the more curmudgeonly, kind right, of, uh, guy. He also said, um, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. Then give up. No <laughs> use being a damn fool about it.
3: Right, <laughs> right.
2: But um, but no, I mean, if you start every day with a smile, that's great. If you wear the smile throughout the day, that's better. Um, now listen, there are bad things that happen e- in everyone's life, yeah. and yeah. lots of bad stuff going on today. Right. Uh, but you know, it's it's uh, again, it's the smaller things you know there's so many big issues that uh are are happening and uh people argue over and but it's the little things that really touch people and that's where you can find humor in everyday life
1: right right and even in in sort of dark situations i mean i you know yesterday happened to be at a memorial service and you know and these are tough situations funerals memorials and yet what's remarkable about them is is how much humor comes out of them and yes. people's remembrances
2: of right well that that's i said to uh, uh anyone who will listen which narrows the field considerably <laughs> um some of the best humor comes out of tragedy or at least sorrow and you right. go to a funeral and if you go obviously you knew and perhaps loved the person and it's a sad time but People get together, sometimes they haven't seen each other in a long time, and what happens? You're right? they begin to reminisce, they start to tell funny stories or jokes, and it helps lighten the mood,
1: yeah, yeah, it's sort of an interesting There's a subtle shift, but I mean I think that you know humor basically uh helps deal with tragedy or sadness but and sometimes you know I find that and especially with a lot of you know modern comedians, it almost seems to uh, it's it gets edgy. It seems to channel anger in a certain way, and I think uh, that can work, but it also can be a little risky. Sometimes these uh, people, it's like, well, you, you're just really angry,
2: <laughs> right? Right. Well, you know, there, there. It's not to say that that kind of uh, humor or comedy can't be funny, right? Um You know, uh, Lenny Bruce, right? Like that. Some more, more modern comedians. Um, well, Mark Twain. He could be acerbic <laughs> and very acerbic, but very funny. Um, but the other people I mentioned, you know, uh, Benchley, Buckwall, Bombeck, um, they were kinder and gentler, let's say. And I said earlier, uh, I don't believe in cool or mean-spirited humor. Um, I'm, I poke fun at myself because I'm, I'm a rich target. Well, maybe not rich. rich, my wife and the IRS would attest, but uh, certainly deserving.
3: Right. And,
2: but people, again, see themselves in that. And so I'm not poking fun at them. I'm poking fun at myself. But by dint of that, I think they see themselves in it. And they, as I said, laugh or chuckle or smile at the recognition.
1: Yeah absolutely yeah I think there is that resonance like oh yeah, yeah. I've been through that I felt that yeah. you know I, I got it yeah right. yeah 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 so um so uh yeah I think that um but and humor you know has it changes you know so how do you think it's changed over the years I mean certainly it seems like there there is sort of a collective fashion about humor what sorts of humor is fashionable and I think, um, you know, certainly, uh, you know, the, whether there's political, you know, humor that's somewhat mean-spirited or acerbic, I mean, as, as you mentioned earlier, a lot of that does go back to the founding of the Republic, right? right. I mean, some of those, you know, early political cartoons you've seen like, holy smoke, you yeah. know, boy, they were vicious, you know, that's mm-hmm. that's uh, <laughs> that's uh, really an edge. And, and um, you know, I think that I recall that, you um, you know George Washington got so upset by that kind of you know political attacks and you know uh, you know humor uh, based attacks that he, he was yeah. really considering like well, maybe this free speech business isn't so great
2: <laughs> it probably had him grinding his wooden teeth Ooh. but um, you know Gene Shalit if you remember him he was a yeah. tv uh, uh, critic um, and he put together it's quite a few years ago Um, a collection of uh, humor pieces by various writers and in in his introduction he said humor is a product of its time
3: Mm.
2: and um, I believe that generally that's true and tastes do change Um, so what was funny in his day may not be accepted today Um, although you know, there's the, uh, the complaint by humorists and comedians that you you can't uh, try to go for a laugh or poke fun at anybody anymore because somebody's going to be offended by it. Right. Um, I remember Rouchio Marx on his great TV show uh, you mm-hmm. Your Life. Even then, you know, he made a wisecrack and the audience kind of groaned. And he said, "You you can't say anything without offending somebody anymore." And this was, you know. 60 years ago. Right. Um, right. So, uh, yeah, you know, the, listen, the world is filled with wonderful people. I really Mm -hmm. believe that. But, it's also filled with people who will be deeply offended if you say good morning to them. Mm -hmm. Unless you say it in the afternoon, in which case they might have a point. But, um, you know, if you know that you are not purposely out to denigrate or offend people and someone else does get offended at a certain point there's really not much you can do about it.
1: Right. Right. So yeah. 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 So who who are you listening to these days? Or watching you? or you know, or, or reading.
2: Aside from you. I listen Aside from me. Aside from you, um, I you know I haven't been reading all that much because I've been writing. I've been writing mm-hmm. my books, my columns uh, certainly uh, every week. Um, I have read so much fiction in my life. I'm, I'm more gravitating more to nonfiction, which is what I write. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, my my wife uh, read uh, where the Dads sing. And mm-hmm. loved it so we went to see the movie i haven't read the book but it was a mammoth bestseller i guess so right. i thought maybe my next book should be where the crog granddad sing you know, <laughs> get uh, some mileage from that right um you yeah, know we're we binge watch uh tv right uh, you know only Murders in the Building we were watching. Right, right. We were, which is very funny. Um, City on a Hill. Um, we had binge-watched a, a lot of other stuff. And, you know, with the um, with the pandemic, um, people's lives changed. And I found that, you know, oh, it, it, this is a tough time for a lot of people.
3: Mm-hmm, you know?
2: mm-hmm. How can I get material or humor out of this so i thought you know that i would never ever make fun of the pandemic it's horrible it's mm-hmm. tragic for a lot of people countless people have died uh it, it, but i did find i could get a lot of humor out of quarantine okay <laughs> and my <laughs> wife and i for a long time stuck in the house with each other right and, and and I said, there's a whole new level here of, of, uh, topics. Right. To write about. Right. And I think people appreciated that because again, they say, yeah, I'm stuck in the house with, you know, my spouse and, uh, he or she is getting in my hair and, and all that. Um, but it's, it's another way to take a positive view of a tough situation. Right. Right. So, uh, yeah, we I mean, we've, yeah. we've uh, we watch TV
1: and uh, yeah, I, I think as you mentioned earlier, I think that everything becomes potential um, subject matter, serious yeah. or humorous. I mean, I think that even watching, you know, something occurs to you watching a murder mystery, you know, mm-hmm. that uh, that 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 is a turn of phrase or a turn of thought or some sort of incongruity. So, right. um, so um, let me just ask you, we um, may. Uh, Run into the break but that's uh we'll, we'll just pick up afterward. if so so tell me a little bit about how you work each week you know so you've got uh you know weekly deadlines uh i think people are always interested in in you know how writers discipline themselves <laughs> to do that kind of thing because a lot of people say like i need deadlines like or i need to go to work get assignments um so how do you work
2: well um i i work because i don't have to go to work you and i are retired we work together of course at uh newsday which is a terrific place to work and uh, but they offered the, uh, the buyout in 2019. Mm-hmm. um i always thought when it was offered mine would be the get out no money <laughs> just get out don't let the door hit you on the way out but um i found that um i had this time my wife hadn't retired yet and um I, uh, we had new twin grandchildren, went to so see them, uh, then the pandemic hit and I started doubling up on my columns.
3: Hmm.
2: Um, and I, uh, since 2019, I've written two books. So I now have six and, um, usually it's, uh, I, I look for an idea where it finds me. Mm-hmm. And as I said, it's not a, um, difficult, uh, difficulty coming up. Right. With an idea. It's what you make of it. And I usually write in the morning. I'm mm-hmm. uh, more of a morning person. And I'm, I have my column in probably a day early uh, uh, before my deadline, um, which is very unlikely, unlike me. I'm not a very punctual person, except mm-hmm. for that.
1: Right. Yeah. So, Derek, we're going we're to take another break. Um, so, folks, uh, we have one more uh, segment to go with humorous Jerry Zezima. Uh, you won't want to miss it. He's got lots more to say. And most of it will be funny. So don't go away. We'll be right back.
0: Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Tune in to Melody Edmondson's The Space of the Waste radio program. self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. now back to 45
1: forward welcome back folks we're talking with humorous jerry zezuma um before the break we were talking about how he writes every week and how he uh unlike uh many of us actually gets ahead of his deadlines and files early uh something that i always was faced with as a newspaper journalist myself i think jerry actually just does better than I did. I was I would basically tiptoe up to the deadline. <laughs> but uh, so, Jared, when when you um, when you I assume that your books are essentially um, compilations of a lot of your columns. Is that right?
2: Yes, they're they're essentially uh, themed collections of my columns. Although okay. although um, a few of the books um, I've written material just for the books. And sometimes okay. i reworked some of the uh the column right uh, material right but it's the uh, it's the same kind of stuff that i write for uh newspaper.
1: yeah yeah and and just going back to our you know early theme of of you know aging and humor um so as as we, we mentioned earlier you know you you have a very um, uh, nuanced approach uh it's not you know uh you know stupid senior jokes you know no. um you know, you know the, which you know are, are rampant and, and some of them you know again there's a ring of truth to how we feel about all our ailments and about aging but talk a little bit about your your thoughts about you know humor and aging what again how did you decide to really focus more in on the aging process and what it means and what's funny about it and what's you know compelling about
2: it well I started getting older
1: uh okay
3: oh
2: well, I mean You know, um, when I started, um, I wrote, um, about, you know, my young family and Mm -hmm. I've written about every aspect of my life and my family's life. Um, and you know, our two daughters came along and then they went to school and eventually high school, they went to college. So I've, I've written six books and, um, uh, the first one um, is Leave it to Boomer, mm-hmm. because I'm a baby Boomer. Right. Second, The Empty Nest Chronicles, because my wife and I became empty nesters. Third, Grandfather Knows Best, because, self-explanatory, I became right. a grandfather. The fourth, Nini and Poppy's Excellent Adventures. My wife to our grandchildren was Nini, I'm Poppy. We added right. two more grandchildren, so that was a continuation right. of the grandparenting theme. The fifth one, um, Every Day is Saturday, uh, focuses more on retirement. I mm-hmm. had retired. Uh, my wife hadn't retired yet uh, when the book uh, came out. Plus, we added um, the twin grandchildren, which wow. the number up to five. And this latest one, for people who can see on YouTube, right. Every Day is Saturday. Uh, no, Every Day is Saturday was the fifth one. This one... One for the ageless,
3: Mm -hmm.
2: how to stay young and immature, even if you're really old. So it was a natural progression, and that's how I started writing more about um, aging. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, I do want to say that um, all six of my books are crimes against literature. (laughs) Uh, They also come in handy for propping up wobbly table legs. Okay. And if you suffer from insomnia, you might even want to read them. Right. So right. now you know why I'm not in sales, Ron. But, um, but the the uh, focusing on aging was just like a natural progression mm-hmm. of my life. So uh, as I said, uh, again, one for the ageless is um, that. It's, it really focuses pretty much primarily on this stage of, uh, of life. Right, and right. This I... is, as I write in the book, the best time of life mm-hmm. because you could still do everything you've always done. But if there is something you don't want to do anymore, you pull the age card. Right. I don't right. think I should be lugging furniture anymore. Right. I, don't think I should be shoveling snow anymore. I do think I should be lying in a hammock with a beer. There so, you go. yeah, but um, I mean, there's so many positive aspects. Mm-hmm. Of, uh, of this and this uh, this time of life
1: right
3: so it's, right.
2: uh, it's, it's wonderful really
1: yeah yeah i i do think it you know it gives you opportunities and and it gives you insights that you really didn't have when you were younger
3: mm-hmm. it
1: gives you a certain perspective right? And, right and i think that's with some of that perspective comes humor like
2: laughs, it right. laughs you know, that it,
1: things aren't quite as serious as you once yeah. thought
2: yeah and, and if you uh you reach a certain age um then people think oh you know now you're like a font of uh, wisdom uh well my own definition of it is this wisdom comes too late in life to be useful to you and is best passed on to your children who aren't wise enough to realize that you finally know what you're talking about so it's kind of lost on almost everybody that's
1: right it's kind of an oxymoron <laughs> that
2: really- yeah
1: yeah, yeah, but
2: um, but no, I mean this is uh, this is a great time of life, and I and I've taken the same approach, and I have the same perspective on this time of life as I did uh, earlier. You mm-hmm. know, uh, the, our daughters were young, and then uh, you know, uh, as I said, you know, they went off to college. They got married. Um, we, my wife and I, have uh, you know five grandchildren now. So every stage of life is covered uh in my uh, writing and they're reflected in my books right which right. which uh you can get if you would like on uh, amazon okay uh, go to my amazon author page uh, barnes and noble if you want right but anyway
1: and you have a blog right
2: i have a blog right it is uh my name i'm sure you're going to have that on the screen or somewhere um,
1: my website, yes.
2: Your website, right. Jerry Zesma, J-E-R-R-Y, Z as in zebra, E, another Z, I-M as in Mary, A, dot, blogspot, B-L-O-G-S-P-O-T dot com. Great. So you yeah. See my stuff yeah. there. Yeah. But, um, but no, I mean, I, I guess I, I just get, uh, I derive enormous pleasure. This is what I've always wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I wrote in um, the previous book. Book um, uh, that um, after all these years, I'm still what I have always wanted to be—a mm-hmm. newspaper humorist. Mm-hmm. That's what I. It's from high school, as right. I said earlier. Right. And I'm—I've always had to do other things ex- until I retired. And now I do this exclusively. But you know, I was an editor. Um, you know, as I said, you know, sports writer, feature writer at both Stanford Advocate and, uh, and Newsday. An editor at Newsday, and um, but I've always, or since 1985, written the, uh, the column. And, yeah, uh, have six books and yeah, couldn't be happier.
1: Yeah, well, I think that you know it it does um, touch an important theme of my my show, which is the 45 Forward, which is that life continues to evolve, and there are certain themes yeah. that you carry through, but they, and you know, there are many variations on a the theme.
2: Yeah, my and, my show would be called "68 Backward." Six. <laughs> well, that's how old I am, and <laughs> I'm backward.
1: Okay, but, well, at least you're not 86 backward. Yeah. Well, that's true. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But speaking of 86, I mean, one of the things that I that was clear, I did a a show a little while ago with another journalist, John Leland from the New York Times, who wrote a book called um, "Happiness Is a Choice You Make." And, yeah. uh, you know, so he, this was a, uh, basically a compilation of spending a year with people who are 85 and older, mm-hmm. which is our fastest growing demographic. And, yeah. uh, so he was talking about, you know, what it means to be happy and making choices. And I think that that's, that's linked to humor for me. It's, you, mm-hmm. you, do, you know, you, you do choose to see humor in things you could choose yeah. not to, but it's, a, it's a choice you make. And I think it does, um, well, you know, it's, it's hard to say it leads to longevity, but it certainly makes longevity more enjoyable <laughs> right. and probably healthier.
2: Yeah. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'll am I'm. i speak for myself. I'm sure you and, and uh, most members of your audience would uh, say, you know, when they were kids, and they'd look at their parents or their grandparents and say, oh, gosh, they're, they're getting old, or they're so old, and I wonder what it's like. You know, honestly... I feel just as silly and immature as I always have been, right. and um, it's it's just a, a state of mind. I'm, yeah. you know, yeah. fortunate to be healthy physically. Yeah.
1: yeah. So so, going looking forward. You know, we always look forty five forward, but um, um, so wither humor. I mean, you know, in in our age when you know there's so much you know seriousness and so much you know chaos. Uh, what, what, you know, I guess you've, you've quoted me, uh, you know, in a Rubabic, um, um, saying, you know, when, when humor goes, there goes civilization. Yes. Uh, so talk Actually, about that importance, a little bit of importance of, you know, maintaining that humor.
2: Right. I've I got that mug.
1: Ah, very
3: good.
2: Yeah. Um, but, uh, yes, it's, it's, um, it's very important to, uh, to maintain that. And, um, you know, if you have gotten to this age, I I, I do a lot of public speaking.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, I'm I'm getting back to doing more now, of right? Course, because I couldn't do it for a couple of years because of the uh, the pandemic, right? And I've addressed uh, groups uh, young, old, and in between. And some of the older groups, you know, people will say, you know, geez, I I would have loved to have been a writer. Mm-hmm. And, Or I would have loved to go to law school or medical school. um, Or I always wanted to take acting lessons or whatever. And they'll say, you know, I I missed my chance. It's too late now. And my response to that is, it's only too late when you're dead. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. if there's something you want to do, no matter... How old you are. You could be forty-five forward or eighty-six forward or whatever. Um, do it. Keep a positive attitude and don't lose your sense of humor. And yeah. I think that really does help. Again, everyone has tough times. Right. And they go through difficult times. Some a lot more than others. Right. And not everything is a laugh uh, or a joke or any I, I know that. But You know, um, very often people will say, oh, remember that time when whatever, the car broke down and then that was, you know, last year, two years ago, five years ago. Uh, wasn't that funny, but they don't see the humor in things when they happen.
3: Right.
2: Right. Uh, Yeah, your kid's room is a a mess. And, oh, that was that was funny but at the time you get all ticked off over these little things yeah yeah. and i think if you don't if you see the humor in these little things that will give you a more positive outlook and maybe just maybe it'll help you live longer or at least happier
1: yeah i i agree with you and i think that that's you know we when i talked to my intro about you know uh what some researchers call the humor cliff you know at 23 going off that and then it doesn't really rebound until your late 60s and 70s. I think that's in part what we're talking about is that you're able to, you know, use that wisdom, at least perhaps not appreciated by your kids, but to see the humor in things yeah. and to really appreciate um, that, you know, that, that you can lighten up, that things can be lighter in spite, n- not uh, uh, in denial of, of the difficulties of life, yeah. but you can be, you know, happy and positive in, in spite of them. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, so there, uh, there's much more to laugh about, but we'll have to uh, leave it there for today. But, um, okay. uh, before we lo- go, I wanted to, um, uh, once again, uh, mention to our listeners, if they have a question for you, uh, how to contact you,
2: um, um they go to my blog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, should I give my email address?
1: You can, if you want.
2: Okay. It's Jerry Z J E R R Y Z one, one, one as in 111, which is not my age, at optonline.net, optonlin net. Great,
1: great. Uh, so once again, folks, tell your friends if they missed my conversation with Jerry today, they can listen to it as a podcast on voiceamerica.com or go to my uh, resource, Roel Resources website, and click on the 45 Forward tab. Uh, and if you have comments from me, you can send it to ron.roel at gmail.com. Uh, Be sure to join me next Monday, 12 noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern time, when I'll be talking with Roberta Israeloff and George McDermott. This is the the last of a three-part series following a former high school teacher of mine and and, uh, one of my classmates on a fascinating new book they wrote about what went right and wrong with education. So folks, until then, keep moving forward, 45 forward.